Hello, I'm Jeremy Allaire, and welcome to The Money Movement. I'm here in Singapore recording an episode here. I'm really pleased to be joined by Abhi Bisaria, Chief Product Officer at Crypto.com. Abhi, great to have you on the show. Great to be here, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So lots to talk about. We're going to talk about what's happening in crypto today, obviously drive into kind of product at Crypto.com, the bigger mission, the bigger vision, and try and connect the dots in terms of where the kind of ultimate kind of utility value of this goes. But I'd love to just start just a little bit with you. And uh, you've obviously spent a lot of your career building in Web2 or in a lot of you know, significant internet technology companies and have made the move over to, over to crypto, you know, I guess starting early this year. But I'd love to just hear a little bit about your own journey from a kind of product and technology perspective and, and then what kind of drew you into this? It's a great question. You know, I think you're right. I've always been very interested in trying to build things or solve problems. You know, I mean, even as a child, I was that kid who dismantled all the toys their parents got them. And that's kind of continued on. And that, you know, in addition to that, what happened over time is I kind of started to enjoy really trying to understand how when you're building, you're building with new technology, you can try to make an impact. You can try to make an impact to the users. And, you know, I almost like to think that I'm, I'm fixated on that, that bit. You know, what I'm working on should have a very clear view of what's the impact to the end user. And that's eventually what led me to places like PayPal and at, at Google, you know, where we were building things at scale, where we were trying to have really big impact with the things we were trying to do. So in some ways, you know, the move over to crypto really was a question of when, if <laughs> not if for me. As I learned more about uh, crypto industry, you know, my first interactions with it were several years ago when I was interacting with a group of people trying to solve some interesting problems like, like identity using blockchain. And that was really interesting to me. And that's how I kind of started to get into it and eventually led me to uh, the, the crypto.com guys. And once I met the leadership team here, I found a group of people who, who shared a similar passion. They wanted to build, they wanted to solve problems, they wanted to build something that's lasting. And that's what led me here. That's awesome. So maybe kind of laddering off that a little bit, just when you think about you know, the mission of, of crypto.com and the product set as it is today, you know, what do you hope to see? What do you hope to accomplish in some ways right over the next three to five years? Yeah, I think our mission is quite straightforward. Cryptocurrency in every wallet. You know, as a product organization, we think deeply about, you know, how do we drive that? How do we help uh, users experience crypto? And what we find is that this industry is, you know, evolving quite rapidly, right? And it's evolving in multiple dimensions. It's evolving in the type of people who are interested in crypto. It's evolving in the regulatory landscape as well. And the overall adoption, the newer use cases that are coming in. So we take all of that into account and what we have done is we've actually built a set of products today that users can come in and they can buy and sell crypto. You know, they can pay with crypto. They can send crypto. You know, then it's, uh, and we have financial services for them. In addition to that, what we've tried to do is build products for uh, retail users as well as for institutions. So what I would like to see and where we are trying to go in the next few years is ensuring that we play a leadership role in this ecosystem. As this ecosystem evolves, as more players get involved and figure out their role in the ecosystem, we're at the center of it. We're trying to help mass adoption. We're trying to drive more people to get comfortable with it. You know, initially, a lot of products that were built in crypto space were very much designed for crypto natives, as we call mm -hmm. them now, people who would, 
you know, not necessarily care so much about friction that was being put in front of them. They were, yeah. they were keen, they were eager, they would figure it out. That will evolve over time, right? In the, the industry in the past one year has gone from, you know, 100 million people engaging with crypto to 300 million people engaging with crypto. And that's going to happen on the back of new people coming in, in this yeah. industry. You know, what we call people who are just curious about crypto. And, and we would need to build experiences for them that make them comfortable, that make them interact with this technology without sort of the complexity or sometimes even the jargon yeah. that comes with it. That's our mission. I think we, will, we want to accelerate that adoption of cryptocurrency in every wallet by trying to build these experiences for, for our users. Yeah, there's a lot to do there. What's the footprint today of crypto.com? Yeah, we have, uh, in addition to all these products, we have about 50 million users. You know, we're operating in almost 110 countries. And we are looking at, like I was telling you, products for a retail user as well as for an institutional user. You know, we're also looking at rapid innovation in this space. It's hard to say that this is an evolved industry and we have a path to innovation like you would see in some traditional industries, mm -hmm. right? What we find is that, you know, we are in it with our users trying to figure it out. You know, there are recent trends that have developed. For example, last year, we started to work on an NFT platform. We built that and we rolled that out and that's had some very strong success as well. So that's how we kind of look at how do we start to address all the different types of trends in the industry and different types of needs our users might have. Yeah. What would you say, you know, at least sort of today from a consumer product perspective, like what is the aha moment that people, that you're trying to have people experience with, you know, if it's a crypto curious and they're coming to the app store and, they're, and they've seen an, a crypto.com ad, which, you know, of course, everyone sees now. But what is the aha experience? What is that first experience yeah. that you think is important and that you're trying to solve for now? You know, I think uh, it varies, I think. And, but for a large group of our users, they're coming to us because they're interested in investing in crypto. And that's kind of been the, the predominant use case in crypto yeah. at the moment, where people want to come and buy and, and sell cryptocurrencies. And, you know, I think we wanted to talk about commerce as well. And, you know, that's an interesting leap from there. Yeah. But from aha moments, you know, I think what we find our users get delighted by is how easy or how simple it is to get their first transaction in. Mm -hmm. right? They've heard a lot of stuff before they come in, especially if it's a new user who's not interacted with it before. Sometimes they're coming in because their friends are using it and they suggested it to them. What we want to be making sure is that first experience of coming in, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, signing up for the account, whether it's uh, loading up their fiat wallet, mm -hmm. you know, making a purchase. It's simple, it's seamless, it gives them confidence, mm -hmm. a sense of control, and it makes them feel safe. Mm -hmm. If we can provide that, we find that our users are delighted by it and they want to come back to that experience. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things that I was actually having a conversation earlier today, and, and the, the theme was sort of, in some ways, most people, at least in lots of parts of the world, they haven't historically thought deeply about like what is money and what is the nature of money. And there are certainly in some places in the world where people experience the volatility of money in a very visceral way or where there's you know, stringent capital controls and so they have kind of different constraints on them. But it feels like you know, in some ways like crypto as a technology is awakening people everywhere, even in de very developed and advanced markets to kind of ask more questions about the essence of what money is. And they're, you know, in some ways, like the internet has given end users like direct participation in, 
in how they share information with the world through social platforms or their connectivity. And, and sort of crypto becomes this kind of first time that people have like a direct visceral experience with value and, and what it is. And I'm interested because you have so many users and you're in so many countries. How much do you feel like that kind of education and evangelism of what this is and bringing people into this understanding of this new kind of financial system. How big of a role is that? I think it's a large role. It's a large movement almost. It's a money, money movement. It's a large money movement. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I don't think we're alone in it. I think, generally speaking, as our lives have become more digitally oriented, so has our interaction with money. And as our interaction with money has become more digital, the traditional finances systems have, have actually struggled to keep pace with mm -hmm. the user's needs, yeah. right? They're in many cases antiquated, mm -hmm. they're slow, they're expensive. And as a result, a lot of people are getting either underserved or almost getting left behind yeah. by these traditional systems. So in some ways, what we are trying to offer is using technology to accelerate that, the digitization of money, yeah. the movement of money at, at low cost, at high speed, at more efficiency. Yeah. And that will allow creation of use cases, right? I don't think we will do this all on our own. What we will do is we will help create that ecosystem for anyone to come and build applications for users that allow them to bring the best of this technology to, to a group of users. So, but you know, when we look at our user base and when we look at different countries we are operating in, you're right, like, you know, there are different motivations for people in different countries to, to come and interact with crypto. You know, there's a general sense of people who are interested in investing, interested in use cases that come with it. But we also have to be very mindful that as we operate in so many different countries, we do this in a responsible way, mm -hmm. right? We do this in a way that, uh, you know, is compliant. We have heavy focus on risk management. And we're not, you know, we're guiding people into engaging with crypto rather than, you know, giving them maybe a tool that they can do themselves some damage with, right? So I think that becomes very important for us to focus on as well. So I think I see our role as helping that groundswell of ecosystem that we need to drive mm -hmm. and enabling more and more people to come in to that ecosystem, not just as participants, but as developers, as builders along with us. Yeah, I want to come back to that kind of the broader ecosystem question and maybe as a, as a segue into that, as someone who's worked in, trad tech, <laughs> there's trad five, trad tech, whatever, traditional tech and kind of coming into this space, you know, what, one of the concepts that I, I sort of throw out there is sort of there's, there's sort of fintech we think about historically like fintech 1.0 or, you know, PayPal, right? Or, you know, these kinds of things. And, and then there's this sort of, you know, kind of concept of deep tech, which is like going deep at a very fundamental level and, and kind of changing things. And to me, like crypto is like deep tech for fintech, right? It's like, it's, you're going, instead of, you know, a, a lot of fintech has, has kind of been like lipstick on a pig, right? It's been like a UX layer improvement or a, maybe a data and decision-making kind of capability on top of what is still, you know, basically, you know, SQL databases and text files, right? <laughs> Which is a lot of what the financial system is. But it, it really is like this deeper infrastructure level solve. And I'm just interested as a product person, how do you look at that, that, you know, that the kind of the architecture of crypto as like a new fundamental architecture for money? I couldn't agree with you more. I think in some ways it's almost been disappointing to see a lot of innovation happen on that top layer, as, as you described, lipstick yeah. on a pig, and not really go fundamentally down to the yeah. infrastructure layer. Yeah. I see the role of blockchain as playing into that infrastructure layer. 
you know, I think there will be plenty of use cases that, that will replicate, that will, you know, try and replicate Web 1.0 or 2.0 use yeah. cases into Web 3.0. But uh, I think what will be meaningful and most impactful is, you know, how do we look very deeply at that infrastructure layer? How do we enable innovation on it, not just for our solutions, but for an ecosystem? That's kind of been our thought process. Like, you know, a good example of this is, you know, we offer a visa card, a prepaid visa card to our users. And, you know, we see really strong adoption of that product, really strong feedback from the market on that product as well. This allows a user who's uh, interacting perhaps with crypto for the first time to also have a really strong point of familiarity to use that visa card and be able to use it anywhere visa is accepted, for example. At the same time, what we also want to be able to do is to use that to introduce them into the world of crypto, right? Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's through our, you know, how you top up that card, Mm -hmm. right? Or whether it is through, you know, how we are looking at bringing more consumers and merchants into our payment and commerce ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So to us, it, it really becomes that process of going into infrastructure layer but also building those points of familiarity and, and milestones along the way for a user. Mm-hmm. So we're not just throwing them into you know, a, a deep, unfamiliar world of something completely different, a parallel ecosystem. What we're doing is we're trying to walk them into that and give them the option to experience it at, at a pace that they're comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, sort of backward compatibility. Absolutely. <laughs> sort, of, sort of one way to think about it. Actually, the example of Visa is a really interesting one because in very specifically with, with you guys, which is... You know, you can top up with USDC, right? So you have like a digital currency instead of traditional uh, commercial bank, right? But actually, I think you guys actually are the very first company where the USDC can actually be settled to Visa directly. Visa set up to actually take settlement across public blockchains using USDC itself. And so even the behind the scenes, the user doesn't even know it. They're just swiping or tapping or whatever. But behind the scenes, it's actually an upgrade to the the settlement, the actual underlying settlement of, of the way money moves, even attached to, quote unquote, the legacy card infrastructure yeah. uh, as well. And so it sort of gets to this kind of deep tech kind of concept, right, which is like you're getting really down to a new underlying layer for the representation of dollars, the settlement of dollars on a global basis and, and ways in which that kind of interoperability, sort of backward compatibility, as I like to say, uh, exists. Yeah, you're right. I think it it's behind the scenes, users don't see it, but it also allows us to kind of, with conviction, push a value proposition to a user, right? And what we've seen, especially in the space of commerce is, you know, as that digitization has happened of money, not only are consumers interested in more digital money solutions, so are merchants, mm-hmm. right? So we recently announced our partnership with Shopify, mm-hmm. where any Shopify merchant can now integrate crypto pay and accept you know, any of the cryptocurrencies we support and users can pay them directly from a cryptocurrency and we will settle for the merchant right. in a way that the merchant's most comfortable with, right? Most merchants today are not looking to start holding cryptocurrencies right. as right. settlements. They're looking to hold right. stable people coins. People are storing value in these and right. they can settle, it's great. So those, I think being able to go down to infrastructure layer and then build solutions like that help us drive that ecosystem both from the merchant side as well as the consumer side. I'd love to talk about sort of the in some ways, like the broader kind of ecosystem and, and what, what's needed. We spend a lot of time thinking about what needs to happen at the kind of fundamental blockchain layer. You know, today, you know, stable coins like USDC, you know, very, very powerful. But, you know, for the average person, right, the user experience of cutting and pasting a 
a, a long public key address and or the fat finger risk or like, it's just like the user experience isn't quite there. When you think about like, how does this work at scale where potentially, you know, a billion people are using this for transacting, what do you see as, as some of the really important kind of technology standards and kind of infrastructure improvements that need to happen, you know, assuming that what we're trying to do is do this in an open, interoperable, kind of public good kind of way? Yeah, right. I think that's a good example because you're right, that's not very user-friendly. And I think at the same time, what has happened is the infrastructure layer has enabled movement of money and, you know, very good history tracking, yeah. monitoring at that address level, yeah. right? And then it has opened up that ecosystem for others to come in and build those easy solutions on it, right? So like on Ethereum, you can get an .eth name, which replaces your address, mm -hmm. right? And that makes it a lot simpler to use. And those are the kinds of applications we want to see users build on different blockchains as well. You know, I think uh, even like we have our Kronos blockchain, we look at these challenges ourselves to say, how do we get developers to come and want to build yeah. Uh, on Kronos and and solve for some of these use cases. And we, again, we don't want to be the people who are trying to solve all these solutions by ourselves. You know, we want to be able to give them the tools and let others come in and help us. Yeah, seems like one of the big issues is is sort of identity and and sort of how, how does identity work on these sort of public blockchain networks? And some of that ties back to, you know, what's it going to take for for kind of regulators to be kind of comfortable with, you know, how this works at scale or yeah. for even, you know, traditional payments companies or fintech companies or even full-on banks and others to kind of build and connect to this, one of the really critical things to solve for that. And you know, we've been working on Verity, which is, a, you know, a decentralized identity KYC attestation model and a verifiable claim model that can work with both on-chain and, and centralized models. But when, when you think about kind of the future of, of crypto.com and, and sort of that need for interoperability, what are you seeing in that space in terms of what, what could become possible? Yeah, I think there's a few ways to think about this. One is that when it comes to the user side of things, we, we have to be able to establish trust with the user, right? Whether it's you know, from a security and identity and authentication perspective, you know, we don't want to see a lot of events in the industry where people are losing their money to fraud. And we have to be able, we have to be very careful, we have to be very deliberate about building strong security. And that's something we take very seriously. On the other side, in terms of, you know, identity and, for example, you know, KYC and money laundering, we work closely with regulators, right? We want to, we want to work with regulators to make sure that what we are trying to do is compliant, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if there are, uh, policies that regulators in individual countries are starting to implement or trying to implement, we are helping them do that. We, we want to help them develop those. I think we all win and the crypto industry wins the more yeah. we work with them on this. Recently, there's been a lot of talk about sanctions and implementation and support of sanctions. We want to be able to create those opportunities that are not opportunities, but we want to be able to make sure we're, we're compliant with those, yeah. right? Like I think we, yeah. I think all the builders in this in, in the crypto world who who will do that, you know, do that innovation in a responsible way for the user, building of trust with the user as well as the, the regulators and sort of the traditional finance entities that we all need to partner with and work with, I think that will help drive mass adoption. And our view is that we're kind of on the cusp of that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's sort of, people always have asked me for you know, nine plus years, like, 
what's it going to take for the mainstream adoption? And, and now I sort of say we have achieved some mainstream adoption. Like you said, 300 million people. Uh, this is in the public consciousness. There's, it's, it's sort of all over the world. So in some ways, we have crossed into that. But the mainstream adoption in terms of it, it's sort of used every day for, for households and firms, and it's sort of an embedded part of commerce and finance and so on. We're really close. And, and I think that holding ourselves to higher standards, whether those are standards that regulators are specifically saying, hey, this is what you got to do, but also kind of doing that ourselves. Yeah. And we, we use this, this phrase sort of crypto held to a higher standard. And it's something that we we, we kind of say around USDC because we've really tried to build something that is really held to a, a different kind of standard. And soon, I hope, will be the third largest cryptocurrency in the world with that and, and being able to do that in that way. I want to kind of tie that back to kind of the, the market that we've just kind of been going through in the past few months. And I'm interested in your take on from an exchange perspective or from a retail perspective, what do you think the role is from a kind of market conduct perspective, what do you think the role is for platforms like Crypto.com to protect the retail investor from some of the kinds of things that we've seen happen? Yeah, that's a great question. I think for us, we feel like we have a very strong role to play there. You know, what, we, what has happened in the current market environment is there has been loss of value to a lot of users. Mm -hmm. You know, people who came in looking for investment opportunities you know, if all of us have our crypto portfolios, they're all down at the moment. But, you know, the, that's how far you zoom out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but uh, good point. But I think if you look at some of the events that have happened, it's also upon exchanges like ours to ensure that we do very strong due diligence mm -hmm. on options we make available to our users. Mm -hmm. You know, we do very strong risk management and and we have very strong security. And while sometimes, you know, especially in a bull market, it becomes very tempting to build the next feature that lets users invest more or go deeper. We have to be responsible with that behavior, yeah. right? You know, I think, like, for example, we, we had no exposure to Terra USD, And that was something that was debated in the company often, right? But I think that was a really strong outcome for us to say that, you know, we, we want to keep that focus. So, so we, have, we have a very strong role to play, I feel, in the market movements. I, I think in the current market environment, our view is that, look, not all the players are going to make it through, right? I think we will see a bit of a cleanup in the industry, probably healthy for, you know, many industries go through this cycle. It's not the first crypto winter. Sure. And, and I think companies, players, builders who have, you know, sustainable economics are looking at things responsibly from an innovation risk management perspective will, will come out stronger at the end of this. And, you know, as an example, our, our Visa card that we were just talking about earlier was launched in 2018 during the last crypto winter. Yeah. And it's one of the most visible products that we have out there today. So I, I think the environment definitely poses challenges. Uh, the environment will definitely have some of this, you know, new cycles that you'll see of, you know, companies not surviving or failing through it. But I think what's important for us is to keep two things, like keep focus on building through it. You know, we, we look at that Visa card example as a good yeah. example of why we need to continue to focus on building through this time and being, you know, this is validation that we need to be responsible. I think there's a lot of attention on that now, obviously, and that's very, very positive, positive thing, I think. One of the kind of themes that, that we also kind of been talking about is, is sort of the evolution of how this is used, right? And, you know, there's kind of this concept of moving from 
the kind of speculative value phase yeah. of this market to the utility value phase of this market. And how do you think about what utility value means in Web3? What does the world look like you know, a few years from now? What, what are the 10x improvements that have happened and in what areas to kind of mark that shift into like real strong utility? Yeah. Look, I think I do believe that we will see a transition or an, uh, a stronger adoption of the utility phase. I'd be careful not to predict the future 10 years from now. That'll be a roller coaster probably leading to that. But I think we are starting to see the adoption, the utility. Commerce is a really good example of this. When we look at our payments products, you know, we do see patterns of behavior on spending crypto, just like people spend you know, their traditional money. Right. We see seasonality during the holiday seasons. Mm -hmm. We see, you know, so these kind of trends are starting to emerge where there is a, you know, growing group of people, growing group of users who are looking at this as a way to conduct their commerce. And I think that trend will grow. Right. And that's why for us, it's very important that, you know, when it comes to a product like CryptoPay, not only do we want to look at a strong visa partnership that we have, we also want to look at how do we enable merchants to benefit from that. You know, merchants, can, can they get more users? Can they get more sales from our portfolio of users by enabling crypto payments with them? And, you know, these types of early data points that we are seeing on adoption are very important to us. So I, I see that phase uh, gaining more momentum over time. I think there'll be more use cases that will emerge on that front. You know, we are constantly experimenting with other use cases. And, you know, we are... One of my main focuses looking at our product team is we want to be ready to be able to try new things very quickly. It's, it's very critical for us that given how quickly this industry is emerging, new use cases are coming up, the industry is evolving. Our, you know, it's hard to do user segmentation in our industry because mm. the, the, the profile of the user changes over time. That we are tooled and ready to be able to respond or, or try different things. And I think that's, that's what I think will set us up to be able to be successful in that long run. But from my perspective, what we're seeing is that, you know, that cusp of mass adoption point is an important one because we're starting to see that utility phase kick in. You know, obviously the current environment is a bit challenging, but I do see over time that picking up momentum. On that, we'd love to hear, how do you think about dollar stablecoins like USDC? What role does that play in that utility value phase? And sort of what are the kind of different types of uh, payment applications that sort of become possible. People don't necessarily want to say spend their their savings, right? Like their Bitcoin or whatever, but sort of what role do you see uh, on the stablecoin side of things? Yeah, you know, I think what has been very important for us is that in that first part of the journey we were talking about earlier, how do we get a new user to engage with this in a way that's familiar to them, right? So a lot of our users would open an account with us and then, you know, transfer the, or, or fund their account for the first time Mm -hmm. by using USDC, mm -hmm. right? By wiring money into, into an account that will give them USDC yeah. uh, or minting USDC. I think that experience and our ability to be able to kind of demonstrate the, the stability of that stablecoin yeah. is crucial to us winning confidence of the user. I see stablecoins playing a big role in that. I also see that, you know, when it comes to commerce, we are constantly, like I was telling you earlier, talking to merchants about you know, if a user wants to pay them in Bitcoin, do they really want to collect that Bitcoin and hold on to it? Right. Or do they want to be able to settle that in a, in a stable coin? And those are the opportunities we want to be able to make available yeah. to our merchants. So I think stable coins play this really strong, critical role in enabling confidence of the users. Yeah. 
And, you know, I mean, of course, our organizations work closely together on that. And I, and I do see that, uh, you know, going back to your previous question about in the future, you know, that will continue to be a very strong role. Yeah. We're just seeing, again, sort of as a product and technology person myself, right, we're sort of just seeing, like, you know, more scalable layer ones and layer two architectures that are meaningful and, and sort of the, the ability to actually do, like, high volume, high throughput, low cost, you know, digital dollar transactions that are interoperable and global and so on. It's, it's, it's remarkable. We're really, really, really getting close to, I think, a, a lot of the things that brought people into this whole industry in the first place right. over the past five to 10 years, sort of, we're really starting to see some of that become possible technically. Yeah. And, you know, I think that'll help us scale. Like for, you know, I think, I'm sure you think of this with your product hat on as well, that we need to be able to build systems at the end of the day that are user-centric, that, that can scale and that can adapt to constant evolution. And I think not only are the platforms and exchange products that we're building are critical to that, stable coins are critical to that yeah. narrative as well. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we're getting close uh, to seeing, uh, you know, in, in major financial markets, whether it's here in Singapore or the US or UK or EU, where sort of, you know, fiat-backed, full-reserve, regulated stablecoins, they're going to be here to stay, right? And they're going to be part of the financial market infrastructure of the world. And that having those regulations in place is actually a really critical next step, right, to getting your average household or your average firm to be comfortable that they know what these things are, they know it's a, a fully reserved, you know, cash equivalent that they can use on the internet. And that can unleash, like, a, I think, a, a huge amount. So we're, we're definitely, you know, sort of seeing, seeing progress there. I guess, again, kind of coming back to your product hat and, and technology hat, are there kind of critical kind of technical innovations that you're seeing happening in the broader blockchain space right now that you think are huge or at least very important kind of unlocks for this next phase? There's several. I think what is starting to what to me is starting to happen, which, which I find really exciting, is the conversation and narrative about the technology of crypto has shifted, mm. right? It's, it's no longer entirely about, you know, what is the value or what is its uh, long-term right. sustainability. Yeah. Uh, and the conversation actually is now happening about what is my position in this industry, right? And, and the largest banks are doing this, right? Mm -hmm. They're making that evolution. So... To me, when I look at that, that trend will really guide adoption and technology advancements in this space. You know, we work very closely with uh, traditional banks, with, you know, companies like sure. Visa. And it's important for us to see that narrative shift towards this. You know, we're also, as a result, then seeing a lot, of, lot more institutional players come into the crypto industry. And I think that's a positive outcome as well. And, and I think all of this is going to then create a much healthier dialogue with regulators. Uh, you know, as they start to look at how do we ensure that it's uh, crypto sometimes gets a bad reputation in the past, right? For you know, lack of accountability, lack of identity verification, right. but all of that is in many cases things of the past at this moment, right? So I think uh, I think we with all of this shift, I think what will happen is we will start to have much more enablement of new use cases, right? And that to me is very exciting because. We have the technology, we have the platforms. I think we have a pretty strong runway we can build in, in adoption of this technology and 
platform at this moment. And then there will be an inflection point where we will turn around and say, well, we, we got to take this technology to the next level as well. Yeah. But at this moment, I, I feel like creating that right environment, which is, which is starting to happen, is very exciting for me to see. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I talk about like we're going from dial-up to broadband in this space and we're seeing like the UX layer and the consumer experience layer and the building blocks of real trust and transparency and all these things are sort of happening all together. And it gives me a lot of confidence that, you know, we're going to go from, you know, whatever it is, a couple hundred million to a billion uh, or more in the next few years. Um, and hopefully you guys uh, will be going from 50 million to, uh, to 500 million or whatever that is. It's a really tremendously exciting time. Well, look, I'm thrilled that you were able to join us for a conversation today and really looking forward to see what you guys are building and, and doing over, over the next couple of years. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed this conversation with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 